So, um, has anything changed around here lately? Oh, it's, it's feeling a bit empty. Hmm. Let's see if we can fill the void on Motorsport 101. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> Remember me when I used to host this podcast every once in a while? Those are a fun time. <laughs> I am your friendly neighbour, host Mr. Andre Harrison, and welcome to episode 179 of Motorsport 101. And uh, yeah, I, it's, it's actually strange to say, it's actually the longest I've ever been without being on a show. Like, a month. It's kind of crazy that um, that's been a thing. Obviously, we're still we're still going bi-weekly until roughly next week, apparently. So, um, <laughs> yeah, a month out is kind of weird. But here I am. I'm back, everybody. Hope you guys missed me. And uh, props to my wonderful cohorts for filling in for the whole one episode you weren't around. Um, <laughs> I know you guys missed me. I missed you too. Don't worry about that. Um, I missed you too. Oh, you guys. Um, I'll talk a little bit about why in just a second, but introducing my fellow cohorts as usual. In the blue corner, as always, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yep. So so glad that uh, the Knicks won a basketball game last night. What? Um, yeah, it happened, and uh, during the Academy Awards, Samuel L. Jackson read out the score to Spike Lee in the audience. Because <laughs> obviously he couldn't be at the Knicks game. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say like, what happened there? Because I like, didn't, I actually didn't give a shit about this. Because apparently that was actually quite funny behind the scenes. I went to bed early last night. What the hell happened? <laughs> uh, well, uh, Spike Lee was ha- real happy that the New York Knicks beat the San Antonio Spurs, um, improving the Knicks' record to, I believe, twelve and forty-eight. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> <laughs> Personal best. <laughs> but then, uh, what else did we miss? Um, a mediocre uh, biopic about uh, the band Queen won Best Editing because it featured uh, actors portraying the roles of the band members of Queen, uh, edited to songs about Queen, the band of which this movie is about. Yes, best and best uh, a controversial uh, period piece about racism one best picture and mm. a lot of people weren't happy about that including one spike lee who tried to storm out of the theater but the ushers forced him to stay in the theater until the best picture speech was over <laughs> no, no. personally I, I don't know i think personally i think he was still upset about the score about the knicks game. <laughs> that the knicks actually won <laughs> It's like, I gotta go see the highlights. I need to see the Zemo Puerto video on YouTube with the highlights on this. Oh dear. Like, uh, good old Oscars, everybody. And it had no host, which I thought was quite funny. It's like, we were and like, uh, one, one last mention. Uh, Olivia Coleman won Best Actress, which is insane to think about in the prospects of what she was doing a decade ago. What was she doing a decade ago? Well, uh, you know, she, she's, you know, most people think of her of her as a comedian. Yeah, it's kind of weird how that turned out, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Grop Stops to Coleman and all that. Um, whew, 
Also, Roger O'Connell is here. Hello, sir. Howdy. Um, speaking of things where you didn't understand how you would get here in the span of two short years, mm. uh, not only my permanent host, but uh, but as of now, I'm the uh, I'm the lead editor of this podcast. Uh oh. <laughs> We gave RJ O'Connell the keys. Um, I'm I'm drunk with power. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a reason for that, which you probably are all well aware about by now. But I'll talk about that briefly. Yes, didn't if you get a if you listen to the end of the last episode, or listen to the recent episode of Black Live that went up on Saturday. <laughs> um, yeah, um, sadly, uh, Lewis Siderby has left the building and. Uh, He's gone to that big door up in the sky. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, if you like, for full context, I would highly recommend watching the ninety-second and final episode, at least of we as we know it, of Bike Live on the Motorsport One Hundred and One Network that went up on Saturday morning. Um, it was an emotional show, and um, yeah, like you guys alluded to it on the last episode briefly. Um, I I, I, want, I really wanted to get back for this one because I, I didn't have a chance at the time to talk about it properly. I could only... like The funny thing was, when I made the statement about it on our Patreon page, I did not know until about an hour beforehand that, 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 that you guys actually mentioned it in the last episode. I didn't have an actual physical copy of that episode to go through <laughs> until Lewis edited it and released it on Early Access. Uh, so I was like, oh shit, they mentioned that. Okay. <laughs> Quick, let me pull up a statement real quick. <laughs> um, but um, it look, he, like Lewis, for like, those guys behind the scenes, Lewis applied for this, like, on a whim about a month ago deep down I always knew he was going to get it he is a ridiculously talented guy for those guys who don't know he also edits all of our shows behind the scenes hence why every time we kind of mention Lewis in joking form that's kind of the reason why because he edits these shows just as much as he is you know the beating heart of Bike Live I mean Lewis would never admit this but Bike Live was even more his baby than it was mine um creatively he always held the keys and he was such a brilliant anchor um and i had the best four and a half years working with him um on bike live even going back to my downforce radio days which trust me back then it was literally our producer flipped a switch and would fuck off and watch the f1 show on sky sports f1 and would basically leave us to it and despite all of that we had amazing chemistry um an amazing relationship. We became friends for life. And I've always, I said it before on Facebook, we only met each other for the first time 10 minutes before our very first episode was meant to go live on the air. And yet we found a brilliant passion for bikes that carried us for the last five years on two different networks, on two different platforms. And he'd become one of the most important members of the M101 family. And... I've said it before, I will say it again, M101 literally would not be where it is today if it wasn't for him. And um, I am forever in the man's debt. And I, I, I will happily say that without a word of a lie. He will be very sorely missed among us all. But this is dream job stuff. Like, <laughs> Dorna's MotoGP social media editor. What a fucking badass son of beers. Uh, I couldn't be prouder of him. He's a wonderful friend and even better colleague. And... Um, on behalf of everyone here, I'm, I know I said it before, we wish him all the very best um, over there, and uh, he will crush it. I have absolutely no doubt about that. Um, sadly, 
as we know it, Mike Clive is no more. Um, I didn't really want to do the show. I didn't really want to do the show on my own. And as far as I'm concerned, Lewis is virtually irreplaceable. Um, so I felt then would be like the best possible time for it to basically um, ride off into the sunset. For now, at least. Never say never. You never know. But uh, yeah, um, this is the sort of thing that would probably need 100% of his commitment. And of course, I'm totally in his corner for that. So... Um, as a result, some some small changes. Like I said, RJ is now lead editor, um, which I'm actually very excited for because only he knows how his mind works, and that is an exciting and terrifying prospect, uh, quite frankly, when it comes to editing this show. And hey, who knows? A little bit of change never hurt anybody, right? So I'm looking right. forward to seeing how that turns down. Also, we'll be featuring some bike news in M101 again, like, like we did back in the old days a little bit. So that'll be nice. Including this show, as we talk about World Superbikes um, and its uh, season opener um, over in Phillip Island, which, uh, well, let's just say the animal was unleashed. More on that later. But um, that, obviously, and, of course, um, yeah, a lot more written articles from me regarding that, including a brand new piece about that weekend. Drake the Races 2019, the first one of the year on that weekend of Phillip Island, up on the blog site, motorsport101.com forward slash blog. Check it out if you haven't already. But yeah, you'll see what that you'll see more of that in probably a lot more double headers we have once we get into the thick of motorsport season um, and what have you. But um, once again, thanks for everything, Lewis. Um, you are the man, um, and thanks for everything, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you be a part of us, and uh, we will not forget you anytime soon. Whew, places you can find us real quick youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 if you want to follow our personal handles you can um, at harrison101hd at ryan eric king that's with two k's and at rj o'connell and if you really really like us you can back us financially on patreon patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five dollars gets you early access to this show has it uh, before it goes out at least 24 hours <laughs> and anyway i was just about to say bike live as well then i almost cried internally yes it's it's only it's only one show now mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's gonna I so know. weird it's uh, so $10, weird $10 uh you can join our discord and listen you can listen in as these shows are being recorded we got a we got a full crowd here tonight. We do. Uh, Black and Mold is here. Cam is here. Steve is here. And Vic Esch is here as well. Uh, move, you know, it's been kind of $10 back since I was last here. Thanks, Vic. Um, and Sasha Wagonblast joined us as well. He's a $1 Patreon back in now as well. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for backing us on Patreon, sir. And shout out to James Calantis, who just did it was his birthday last week. It was happy birthday, James. Um, and Toki happy as well. birthday. Yeah, and Toki as well. We had two birthdays on the same day because we are now so big, people are sharing birthdays on this, on this goddamn Discord server. And James now backs us at the $15 level, which means he gets a t-shirt. Send me your email when you get a chance, James. Or shoot me your address, and I'll ship that over on Australian Airmail. I'll get there sometime in 2021. Um, <laughs> so, thanks for that. Um, very, very grateful for your support. Uh, especially during, uh, given that we have now only produce 50% of what we used to. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough month, to say the least. But thank you all for backing us on, um, on various platforms. Much, much appreciated. Right, without further ado in this quick musical interlude, we'll get into the main meat and potatoes of the show itself, including Formula One testing. Week one. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Let me uh, let me press the button here. 
Oh, oh no, sorry, wrong button. Ah, there we go. Is everything okay back there, RJ? We've not died a painful death yet. Um, I'm about halfway through this bottle of Snapple. Uh, oh God. <laughs> It's gonna be a long show, people. All right. Um, testing. We we were just about to get into it in last week's show. Uh, last time we had half the cars or paint jobs launched. Uh, now we have obviously have all of them launched, and now we have a full week of testing to unpack. Hmm. Hmm. Well, let's get right into it. Um, so, um, the narcotics still stock up in the fridge if you need some. <laughs> uh, we bought we bought five different kinds of flavors for you. Ooh, nice. Wait, wait, comes wait. I, I shouldn't be endorsing this. <laughs> it comes in peach, raspberry, uh, Scuderia Tricolore, oh, Mission Winnow. <laughs> why, why does Mission Winnow taste like cigarettes? <laughs> hey, hey, it's not cigarette related. Of, of course it isn't. <laughs> it, it tastes like bettering ourselves and the way we do things and sell our products. <laughs> Sounds well, like tobacco from where are. I'm sitting here. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, like, like, this is one of those parts in the Discord server where everybody looks at me here when they see that Ferrari are, like, top of the timing sheets for pretty much everything. And it's like, hey, Dre, want to get back on the wagon? <laughs> you guys are taking advantage of a very vulnerable young man, okay? One that was one that was very deeply hurt last year and the year before that. It doesn't get any easier, people, okay? <laughs> but what if, what no. if Mercedes has something fundamentally wrong with their car? Oh, God. Oh God. Okay. Um. So I guess we should just get into the fact that yes, uh, from most analysis of preseason testing, it's clear cut that Ferrari and Mercedes are ahead of the rest of the field. Uh, Renault actually got the fastest outright testing lap, but again, these were times where again preseason testing disclaimer. Nobody knows what the fuel loads are like, and only now do we really know what the tire compounds are. Uh, so, in fact, if you look at FormulaOne.com, you'll see a best single lap adjusted times tire corrected based on Pirelli data. We'll tell you that Ferrari and Alfa Romeo were actually top of the board one and two. Kimi Rocket and put some vanity laps down for the culture. <laughs> for the culture. Just, just because he can, quite frankly, because he's Kimi Rocket, and who's going to argue with that? Oh dear! But like, I did see that actually. Did the adjusted times for tire pace and whatnot? And yeah, like Peretti having like seventeen different brands of compounded tire. Uh, like, 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 I don't know if anyone was ever watching it on Twitter, but like, seeing Autosport Live mentioning like he's on the C3 compound, he's on the C4 compound, he's on the experimental C3, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I thought they were meant to make this less complicated. <laughs> well, it's still testing, so literally all the compounds are available at once because you know they're trying—they're not trying to get a clear, understandable product because this was never intended to be broadcasted. This is not a TV product. 
Yeah, so this I guessing you were going to segue into the fact that the uh that this testing was carried on Formula 1 television? Yes. <sighs> like okay. Like, I, know, I know people complained because Sky didn't have all the coverage of it. Like, they, I think they started airing this from one in the afternoon onwards. Like, the afternoon session, basically. Not the morning session. Which, yeah, you know, was a bit weird in that sense. Yeah, I, 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 um, I, I just saw it as good background entertainment for just propping up my phone at my desk so I can have just something to distract me from uh, from checking my phone constantly at work while I'm taking phone calls. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do this, kids. It's, it's very bad for you. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. But it, that was basically me. I was like, yay, streaming content. Uh, like, don't make the employees think it could be porn, basically. <laughs> People have actually done this at my, at my job. It's uh, it's not a good look. Um, also, it's not a good sign when the Discord is literally posting me cake. Saying, it's a Ferrari-branded cake saying, Dre, come back. We got snacks. You people, you people are terrible. What is wrong with you? They're monsters. These people are savages. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? What did I do to deserve this? <laughs> yeah, so of the top two teams, Mercedes did 110 laps over four days of testing and morning and afternoon sessions. Ferrari got 598. Uh, that's marginal. I think the big thing that people are most excited about is that when you factor in the adjusted times, when you factor in tires and all that stuff, that probably looked like they were quicker, and the and the customer teams looked good, did they not? Yeah, yeah. Alpha looked strong. Which, by the way, in case you missed it, uh, Dre, Sauber are now Alpha Romeo. Yeah, Alpha's back. <laughs> Alpha's back. Alpha's back. Like it, it, it's a, it's a proper Alpha Romeo team. It's it's like I'm watching one of Arava's let's plays. It's great. <laughs> um, though, though, for legal distinction, uh, this was only a change in team name. Yeah, yeah. Sauber's management and ownership still remain the same. Longbow Financial still owns Sauber. Uh, they're still based in Switzerland. The only thing that's different is the name, and uh, now they have closer technical ties to uh, Ferrari. Good. Who boy did those pay off? Uh, again, they were second in in those adjusted times. Uh, the car looks good. I'm starting to think maybe Kimmy had the right idea with getting this, getting making this move, and I'm also starting to think that Antonio Giovinazzi might be more impressive this year than people might think. True, true. I mean, like, let's not forget that was a guy that finished top in his debut race in Australia, a track that he never raced around before, and did it on 48 hours' notice. The man's talented, like. People, I think people forgot that one. I think they brought the focus more on China and the that disastrous weekend he had before not seeing him for like a year and a half. So yeah, like Gio is good. People, like I think he'll be just fine, and he's got a very experienced teammate he can learn from. And, and you know, Kimmy's got jokes. He's <laughs> got jokes. Uh, did anyone see like the quote that he came out with when he was there, like during Giovinazzi's test day? And I was like, well, you know, Kimmy, whether you. Like, what do you make of Giovinazzi's running in the car? I think he goes along the lines of, I don't know, I'm just here to weep. 
Like, oh, Kimmy. good old Kimmy. When he get the fangirls going, it's like, look at Kimmy. Look at all the charisma he's got going on here. Man has jokes. Let's love this man to the kingdom come. It's like walking into Daniel Ricardo Twitter. It's the worst. <laughs> Speaking of walking into Daniel Ricardo Twitter, uh, King, give us a, some feedback of your boys. All oh, 14 my... of them. Uh... <laughs> uh, specifically, Reno. Yes, yes, the... The brand that's maybe things aren't gonna be the best of times at Reno. Really? <laughs> what, what gave it away, King? Uh, well, there there are times when the Reno was seemed to be the fastest car on track. Uh, other times, well, the other times the car was just not running. Did you see like Daniel Ricciardo's rear wing entirely collapse when using DRS? Like that, yeah. that, that, that wasn't a promising sign. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> well, this is why we have testing. So it fails here, not, you know, during a race weekend. Yeah, at least in theory. <laughs> like, Go, it's not a good all I got's theory right now, aren't they? <laughs> well, yeah, not a good that's sign. what a lot of us have in testing. It's not a good sign when, like, Cam literally put in giant hairs on the Discord. His DRS broke in half. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that, then another Renault cake from their ING days. It's like it's like King. Look, optimism. Here's a cake. <laughs> so like, look, honestly, it might be Nico Hulkenberg's breakout season. The one, the one we've been waiting for for like eight years now. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> it's, it's a good yeah, time. I mean, if, yeah. Um. What do we make of? Um, what do we make of Renault's uh, pace? I mean, the McLarens weren't as fast, and they ran a decent number of laps. They didn't ran the most. They both got both teams got over the four hundred barrier. I mean, if it's if anything, I think it's kind of reassuring that McLaren was a lot more reliable out of the box this year because the previous two years of testing, they were woeful. And the, like the, the the reliability was piss poor, and like everybody was out here shitting the bed about their prospects for the upcoming season. I think they had a lot of vanity runs out there, probably like low fuel, like quality runs to bump them up the time sheets a little bit. Good for the shareholders. Good for the shareholders. Um, but uh, but uh, at least the car is at least looking reliable somehow, um, which I, for McLaren alone would probably be half the battle. Um, uh, how good they are relatively once we actually get racing who knows but um, but the signs are at least slightly more promising than in years past right 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 yeah and uh, well uh, I was actually gonna lead us to like the next part of that uh, McLaren Honda equation blew up Um, guys are I think Honda's starting to turn the corner uh oh uh oh, between between Red Bull and Toro Rosso, they had 957 laps in the data bank, and Toro Rosso got uh, quite a few headlines for some glory runs for their drivers, specifically Danny Kvyat and rookie Alex Albon. Just don't do what Albon did in his first ever official F1 lap. Oh, it can only get better from there. It's it's like I love that Will Buxton, who has no sense of chill whatsoever, immediately said to Alex Albon, "So what were you thinking at about five past nine in the morning?" 
And Alwan's <laughs> very witty response was literally, um, don't spin it. Um, which he, of course, then proceeds to spin it um, on his very first lap. God bless you, Alex Albon. You, be- you you will fit in well here. At least with the memes, anyway. Um, God bless him. But yes, w- wasn't like Albon fastest on day four? I'm pretty sure he was. Yes, I believe uh, was, he was. Yeah, Hulkenberg was fastest on day four. four. Albon was second fastest. Ah, yes, there we are. Yeah, but it was either, it was Kvyat and it was Albon who were near the top of the times again. These maybe low fuel runs, but the thing that really sticks out to me is how much, how many laps they're getting, and how little pessimism we're hearing from Red Bull. I know it's still early days yet. I know they've oh. not turned, they've they've not turned a racing lap. I know this relationship can go south in a hurry. You you, you, you smell that, King? I think I just kicking with fire right here. Mmm, mm, barbecue chicken. Um. <laughs> oh, that that sounds delicious. It makes me hungry while we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's like, are you sure you want to tempt fate with Red Bull right now? Like, like, are we sure about this? Because. We say this about Red Bull every year, but like it, they don't show up till October. We know this by now. Yeah, it, it, to to me, it feels like uh, Red Bull didn't improve, but most importantly, they didn't regress. <laughs> right now, yeah. that'll do. <laughs> yeah, for most people, uh, they were expecting uh, a steep regression because. Most people's idea of Honda is still rooted in early 2015 or 2017. Yep. At least it's working. <laughs> apart, from, apart from that time Gasly put it in the wall. Oh yeah, there, well, that did happen in the uh, in the first day of te- and uh, day two of testing, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, spun it, put it in the wall, and everyone at Red Bull was figuring out, well, how the hell did he pull that one off? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's like yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly it's like that it's like that clip from Top Gear. Does anyone ever remember when Richard Hammond got to drive the Renault F1 car? Yes. <laughs> and when he's yes, in the F- he got to use full throttle for half a second. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when like he stalls it like trying to get out of the pit lane eight times? That's what <laughs> that's what it probably felt like being Pierre Gasly. And I love that one of the snide mechanics in the background went eight anti stalls. It's gonna be a record, hasn't it? <laughs> that is a man that's probably seen some shit. Um, but uh, whew, not pretty, to say the least. <sighs> I guess we should get into the least pretty thing in testing. Um, we've talked a lot about teams that have had success in recent years, and now we're going to talk about a team that, uh, much like another team that is sponsored by the same company, um, has not won a major championship since the mid-1990s. But at least the Houston Rockets seem to have a promising future. People are genuinely worried about Rocket Williams racing. Mm. Yeah, I would say the concern at Williams is legitimate. It it doesn't bode well when, you know, your car literally, literally does not run until the afternoon session of day three. So what exactly caused that two-day delay then? Uh, they didn't officially say anything, but the rumor that makes the most sense is uh, the car wasn't designed properly. So... Uh, whoa, terms- whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> 
Do you know how silly that sounds, King? <laughs> the car so, wasn't designed properly. Oh, well, shit. So, <sighs> to be fair, this is not a dig at their preseason testing pace, which, yes, they logged the least amount of laps and were the slowest of all ten teams. So, <laughs> in terms of conceptual design, some of the parts couldn't actually fit properly into each other. So, they had to redesign you know, the affected portion of the car, then remanufacture that part of the car. Um, according to Cam, it says in big capital letters, the brakes did not fit. <laughs> <laughs> um, are we for real here? It's it's unconfirmed it was if it was the brakes or not, but... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I love that like Black and Mild in this squad has been sharing cakes the entire time. And the Williams one is literally the cake on the floor in a mess. Sounds about but, right. Hey, it's, it's a blue foil and white cake, so at least it, the colors match. <laughs> I think that was the whole idea. And I think he's alarmingly on the money. That That's oh. not great. No, this, this doesn't look good. You I know, mean, I, I, had a, I had a bold pick. Uh, before Williams started preseason testing, that I thought they were going to triple their points. I mean, it's still early days yet, but uh, at least for the start of testing, uh, I might have to rethink my plans before the preview episode. Oh boy, like like, like that bad? Like, <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. No, to be fair, rock bottom is not making 107%. I think they will safely make it in. At least we know that the problems with the team are not the fault of the drivers, George Russell, Robert Kubica. Um, but that the was never going to be the issue. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't get a lot of time. They only did 88 laps over two days of testing. And when they did test, they were the slowest of the teams. Now, again, the real litmus test will be what they pull out in week two. Um, if there's still a ways behind the field, then you should worry. Yeah, it's, it's not a good sign when we're talking about, you know, yeah, they'll definitely make 107%. When that's the topic of discussion on... Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the high bar here. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll get to be able to take part in the race. Awesome. <sighs> Like, what's not to love here? Shit. <laughs> it's like, we are boned here. If, like, that's the optimism side of, the, like, side of this here. Like, that is not a good thing, people. Like, holy crap. Well, it, it could be worse. It could be rich energy on social media. <laughs> do, 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 do you see how humble and classy they were when they finished day one ahead of Red Bull and they couldn't help but rub it Hashtag better than Red Bull. Oh my god! Like they, like they've made it absolutely clear they're gunning for Red Bull racing. It's like, yeah, we got to be the top energy drink provider out here, folks. So we're just gonna sass this shit right up by saying hashtag better than Red Bull. Like I love that someone the other day showed off an actual can of rich energy in the packaging. One made in Austria. That was. <laughs> <laughs> That was funny. Um, I was like, so in other words, you're made in the same country that Red Bull is. That's funny. Second of all, the can was copyrighted to 2015. Hmm. Is, 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 is anyone here for is anyone here for four year old cans of glucose? Anyone? Anyone at all? It's like I wonder what the sh- what the shelf life on a can of rich energy is. 
It's Only a, 384 laps. They look quick. The Ferrari power unit looks good. Um, but you don't want to be stopping that much. No. No. Also, as a quick tangent, I will still drink a can of Rich Energy on the show if someone wants to sell one to me. I'm just saying. Like... Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the only way me or RJ could be drinking a can of Rich Energy on the show is Dre would have to mail us a can because Rich Energy don't ship outside of Britain. Yeah, just just too poor for Rich Energy. Can't take out that second mortgage to buy a case of Rich Energy. Like, yeah, Jesus. But hey, it's better than Red Bull, so you know, it must be worth the premium rate of three pounds a can! <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I could buy vodka, like, in most off-licenses for less than three quid. <laughs> what the uh. hell are we doing here? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Under the couch, there's $20 tier on Patreon. Dre will mail you rich energy. <laughs> Dre will mail you rich energy. Jesus, could you imagine how much money you would have to have to enjoy a can of rich energy at the British Grand Prix with your three-day weekend pass? Would we even break even if if we offered that as a $20 tier on Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh. god. It's like, if anyone would be crazy enough to give me 20 bucks for a month just to send you a can of energy, I'm wondering what you're doing with your life. Like, <laughs> seriously. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I was like, I love the back of my says in the Discord as well. I would put a rich energy has cake, but it's not available in the USA. <laughs> it is. A, we're on strike. But has looks solid out there when the car was working. Um, and they had a couple of, of mechanical problems, but nice, nice to see Fittipaldi back in an F1 car as well. That was nice. Oh yeah, Pietro Fittipaldi got to test, and he didn't look all that bad, honestly. Mm. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, 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 please find this man a full-time drive. Somewhere, please. anything. And can we get part of a water full-time drive while we're out there as well? Please. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> Here, 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 here. So I guess you were you were up to speed on the uh, on the uh, the shit show that happened at Harding Cybrider Racing. Yeah, as a quick tangent, yes, I did see the news story on that, and I cried internally for several hours. Oh um, goodness, yeah. Uh, somebody get Pato Award a job. That that man is too fucking talented to be left out of IndyCar this year. You swines. <laughs> Hell yeah. Anyway. All right. So, testing, week one. Dre, sum it all up for us. You got the floor, pal. Um, it's, it, it's not a good sign for my mental health when Mark Hughes is coming out here saying that Ferrari's got half a second on the field. I, I'm just saying that like that is about as dangerous as drinking a can of rich energy. Um, <laughs> I'm just sitting here going, really? P- like, but p- point 0.5? I mean, yeah, it's it it's like like it's a bit like that time when Tony Elias wins that MotoGP race at Estoril, and like the commentators are saying literally, back the wagon up and give him all the money. That's basically me and narcotics right now, basically, because like it is hard not to get excited about this because yep. by all accounts, and everyone and their mother is reported, is that there has to be some element of truth here because not all these guys could possibly be, be possibly be wrong. Right, I say that before Hamilton qualifies on pole in Australia by point six again, <laughs> like like what happened last year. But like, 
all signs point to Ferrari maybe having the best car out of the box this year. And that is alarming. Like, uh, Ferrari's put more budget in. I mean, Cam's talking about it now in the Discord. That You know, it looks like the Mercedes car in general has a fundamental issue with its front wing. Um, it's too far off the ground. And, yeah, it doesn't work in ground effect nearly as much as the cars have a higher rake. And as a result, it's got a lot of understeer. Which, uh, yeah, Valtteri talked about it during this as well. Like the car, he said, has fundamental handling problems, which... Uh, oh, boy. Um, not a good look. Not a good sign, knowing there's only one week of testing to go before we start proper. Um, so, yeah, a lot of signs do look... To look like It does look like... You know, Ferrari might have the best car out of the box, which uh, we're not doing this again, are we? Not, not, not again. Like, yeah. What was the claim for most of last year until Mercedes started really getting going in the second half? Ferrari have the best car. Yeah, you know, so they can't possibly make mistakes. Otherwise, they're going to shit on them from a great height. Um, thanks, Sebastian. Watch where you put that front wing on lap one next year. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, it's hard not to be excited. I'll, I'll be the first guy to tell you. It's it's looking like Ferrari might have struck first blood here. And uh, I'm trying really hard not to get back on the wagon again. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Um, because it looks, again, it looks like the Ferrari is good. Um, really good. And uh, like even guys like Luke Smith who was down there was saying, yeah, the Ferrari looks really smooth out there right now. And you know, Leclerc looks fast and Vettel said himself it was the best first day of testing he ever did after hundred and sixty nine. Nice. Laps of testing out there. Um and uh Oh god. Um <laughs> Dre step away from the fridge. <laughs> but Dre's calling out to me. We can um, talk about it. <laughs> We'll talk about it on the season preview in a couple of weeks' time, but help! <laughs> it is a problem. Um, the midfield looks close again. That looks fun. Um, yeah, the midfield looks close again. I, again, I, I worry it's just I, I want Williams to be better than what they showed in the first week. That would be promising. Like, I'm just saying. Like, that would probably be ideal. But, uh, yeah, there is a there's a lot to look forward to here. And... You know, it, it looks like it's going to be Ferrari versus Mercs again. I think Red Bull are probably going to be in the middle of nowhere again in third, which, you know, is v you know, various levels of disappointing for Christian Horner. Like, I, I set the over-under to Bahrain before we start complaining about the engine, because that's what Red Bull does. Um, like, Renault are probably going to be in for another painful year of seventh-place finishes. Um, looking like, I, 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 I await to see how Ricardo Twitter reacts to this. Um, but there'll probably be much tears and fapping, um, <laughs> especially when Hulkenberg beats him. Oh, uh, did I say that out loud? Um, but um, yeah, like the midfield looks. There's, there's a lot of promise out here if you're not a Williams fan, basically, <laughs> at, 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 at this point. So yeah, like bring on testing week two. Is, is week two in Haraf again or is it Catalonia again? I, it I is Catalonia. Well, okay. All the testing is in Catalonia. Cool. Um, 
And by the time this episode goes out, that will have wrapped up and we'll talk about it in a future episode. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, um, of course, um, it's, it's been interesting. It's been interesting, all right? Like, it's testing. Like, you know, we haven't seen cars on track for the best part of three months, and, of course, we're going to leap to conclusions. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying very hard not to do. Because <laughs> yeah, the, the best bets are always placed after the first day of testing with no knowledge of fuel, <laughs> fuel flow or anything like that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Ferrari's winning 17 rounds next year. Let's fucking go. It's gonna um, be Vettel v. Leclerc. Let's get it. Oh, no. No. No, I'm talking about on the level of, like, put Tor- put all the put the mortgage on Toro Rosso to finish the top three of the best RJ, this sounds very dangerous. Again, the best bets are made in these days of in these days of testing. May the good Lord help us all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, testing round two starts. I think tomorrow, um, as a time of recording on Monday, and anyway, we'll, we'll bring we'll talk we'll probably talk about that a little bit on the next show next week, and it'll, that'll be uh, loaded with an IndyCar season preview because oh dear God, that came around quick. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, almost as quick as it took James Hinchcliffe to learn Swedish. Ooh. Apparently Canadians are wait terrible at hockey. Um, <laughs> hmm. It is a problem. Also, shout out to Veronica and all the SPM social media team. They are kicking ass right now on on this here internet. Um, yeah, shout out to them. Um, they are killing it right now. And Marcus Ericsson looks like he's going to fit right into IndyCar because he's already shown more personality than he did, than he did in the five years he was in F1. Amazing that that turns out once you get out of the um, F1 bubble. Yeah, <laughs> who knew? Part of me was Everyone. like, he was in F1? Who, when? <laughs> uh, like, where? Who? Yeah, no, Marcus Erickson was an Indy Lights driver. Yeah, his, his manager was Kenny Brack. It makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. If the boot fits, eh? If the boot fits. Fellas, should we, talk, should we move on a little bit and should we talk about a bit of Formula E in Mexico? Oh, Hell sweet yeah. Jesus. Um, I'm sure, like, after the difficulty and you know, the difficult and, you know, taxing times of Pascal Verline last time out, after narrowly missing out on the win, surely this time he will finally <laughs> pick up that first W for Mahindra, right? That's totally what happened, right? I saw him cross the line. He you won, s- right? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, let me play that. Let me play that clip. Here comes Verline out of the final zero. corner. Is it zero. zero. Flat on the way, minimum distance. Flat on the way. Degrassi wins. Oh. Oh no. Oh, King. The zero percent rule came back to bite him. Not the 0% rule. We ain't seen that since season two. Guys, what the hell happened? Uh, So, Pascal Verline looked like he was going to win this race. Again. Uh, and on the final lap, uh, with less than 5% energy each, it was Pascal Verline using all of his willpower to hold off former champion Lucas Degrassi 
potentially take a win in just his third Formula E start. Um, he was left depleted coming out of the final corner, the former Peraltada. Uh, he hit 0% just meters from the finish line, and with meters to go, Lucas Degrassi slipped down the inside to take the win. Ugh. <laughs> As you can tell, that went, over, that went over really well on Twitter. Like, Pascal Verline has a ton of fans, Lucas Degrassi doesn't. Um, <laughs> Lucas Degrassi really likes Rick and Morty. <laughs> Oh, for fuck's sake. Isn't that right, Elon Musk? <laughs> by point, by four tenths of a second. Oh. Actually, no, that was... Oh, no, I think that might actually be quicker because uh, Pascal Verline uh, got a... Did, I believe he got a penalty, a post-race penalty that knocked him down a few seconds. Yes, yeah, he didn't, did. He, I think he finished fifth overall because I think he had a five-second time a penalty. Sixth overall. Sixth oh, overall. God, he's even worse than I thought. <laughs> We uh, run it from pole two, so man, the pain. The, what does Pascal have to do to win one of these? Seriously, it's it's already it's already becoming a narrative, and he's done three Formula E races. <laughs> he was on the front row in Marrakesh, was taken out by Lucas Degrassi of all people, ironically. <laughs> like we go to Santiago, misses out because it was literally impossible to overtake. <laughs> around that track virtually even Sam Bird won the race by literally pushing him off the apex and now this time round he runs out of usable energy literally meters from the line what does Pascal have to do to win one of these seriously get out and I push like the, I feel like the win's gonna come soon though because uh, if the form of Mahindra this year is any indication he's He's gonna win that first race sooner rather than later. He's already exceeded my expectations of him and Mahindra's as well. I mean, my goodness, Jerome D'Ambrosio finished fourth and still consolidates his points lead. Yeah, well, you know, good news for Lizzie if you're watching. You know, <laughs> <laughs> one for the D'Ambrosio fans out there. You know, that good, would be if, if someone said two years ago Jerome D'Ambrosio would have the points lead in Formula E, I probably wouldn't believe you, but I probably have a gut feeling it was true because. Anything could happen in Formula E. But uh, King, it would have been inherited to him due to Lucas Degrassi being disqualified. We all know that. <laughs> That's how D'Ambrosio gets his points these days. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh dear. Um, like We have to mention as well, though, RJ, what happened to the E-Dams cars? Yeah, it looked like Oliver Rowland was going to be uh, in contention for a podium. Uh, Degrassi took a uh, second off of him with nine minutes left in the race. Uh, but it looked like if Rowland didn't finish on the podium, that Sebastian Buemi was going to pick it up. Both of them were going to finish inside the top five. Um, and then with two to go, they were already at 2% energy left. Oh, this race was brutal on batteries, and I'm sure it didn't help because we had a long red flag when Nelsinho PK mounted the back of John Eric Vern's car on the opening lap of the race. Br brings a whole new meaning to the phrase, send it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, like Nelson literally rode pity, like rode piggy back there. It was one of the nastiest Formula E wrecks you've seen since the series started. I can't remember if ever a Formula E car looking that bad after an accident um it was brutal yeah that uh that resulted in a uh, a long red flag period uh 
surprised John Eric Vern continued on to finish uh, finish outside the points in that. If I'm honest, did you see the saltiness coming out of Vern like after the race in a tweet that he later deleted? <laughs> Good old uh, Vern couldn't help himself, could he? Oh, <laughs> like you know, oh, King, King, sum this one up for me. Ooh, I actually haven't seen those tweets. I had no idea what <laughs> Yeah, oh, like, so this is news for King. Yeah, like I, I, I can't remember this completely because it was like he used the full two hundred and eighty characters, but um, I think he said something along the lines of "It's ridiculous. I can't like I, I don't understand the rules anymore. I can't believe you can like turn into a guy like during a yellow like past you in the yellow flag and not get penalized. You can have a guy turn into you with no penalty. He, like basically, um, Vern was basically what we call mad online." Um, basically, um, the tweet that he would later go on to delete, um, because of course, the internet never forgets, Jeff. I'm just saying, like the internet never forgets. Um, but uh, oh boy, um, yeah, Vern was not best was not best pleased, um, in, uh, given uh, the the result of the of the race and uh, basically being taken from behind by Nelson PK Jr. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this 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 podcast got uh, um, X-rated quite quickly. Not that there's anything wrong with that, kids. Um, but uh, um, while we while we breathe and calm down again, um, I mean, like I found that red flag situation to be weird because, like. I didn't realize in the rule book it was kind of backwards how the the clock kept running during the red flag, and then they would basically just like reset the clock again, <laughs> like and then put a new timer on it once we got going again. That just seemed a bit weird. Yeah, like that was confusing to a lot of people, from what mm. I understand. Yeah, I was watching it live on Twitter as I was coming home from Nottingham, and like I saw the tweets and I was like. This seems like a really backwards way of doing this. Like, I'm sure if Hazel were here, I'm sure she'd come up with, with some really lengthy explanation as to why this makes perfect sense. Um, King, help me out here. Like, like why didn't they just stop the clock during because, a red flag? Because uh, they don't stop the clock during a red flag because the reason why the races are timed is because they need to fit within a TV window. Ah, the old Dorna philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> We can't delay this too long, otherwise we're still going to start to lose race time. Um, yeah, that, that actually makes good sense, now I think about it. Yeah, It's kind of a redundant like rule, though, because, okay, you've got to fit it into a certain time slot, sure, and you can always just reset the clock later. You've not saved any time by doing that. I mean, okay, okay no, I no, guess no. it's like... The, the point isn't to save time, it's the fact that the race needs to end before broadcasters can't you know, can't continue showing the race anymore. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you, you want, we want to wrap this up before you know, like tennis has to show, like like the Spanish guys have to show another like Rafa Nadal tennis highlight. Gotcha. Yeah, this uh, is not NASCAR where you can do like five overtimes. <laughs> oh dear God! Don't remind me. Um, I'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, that 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 actually does make some sense though. To be fair, like like like, like Dorna is very similar. Like, they'll stop shaving laps off the races to try and fit it all in if it gets if, it, if a delay becomes like quite long I know like Mategi's had that problem in the past where like fog and like ambulance has have, like you know caused like massive delays and of course 
Silverstone last year. Who can forget that one? Um, <laughs> fun times for all involved. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Um, but uh, whew. that's so that, that, that was a that was another chaotic Formula E race for sure, was it not, fellas? Chaotic as always. I don't know how this series just has this knack of just continuously just like having like like epic shit show after epic shit show it just keeps happening like i like <laughs> you know how we see the meme these days the meme these days in the premier league when it comes to football of like just one normal day of barclays that's all i ask formula e is the motorsport version of barclays um like it, it's it's not pretty it, it's it, uh, it's it's not good but uh Oh dear. Um, but hey, it was it was a fun race for all involved, was it not? <laughs> yes, it was yeah. real fun. Yeah, as, as usual, it's not on the most accessible spot sports channels, so I had to had to catch up on it post uh, post mortem. You know, the, the 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 fun way of watching races on YouTube with Bazinga in the background. <laughs> no, not for you. Not, 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 not my aesthetic. Only when Ryan King is hosting. <laughs> Why couldn't we get Motorsport guys to host the stream, huh? Huh? Like I did, I did, I didn't know Mickey Motions had joined us on this podcast. Um, <laughs> there's a throwback for you, long-term fans out there. Uh, <laughs> quick run out of the full result. Lucas Degrassi wins literally by a nose. And there's a horse racing joke there for you. Over Pat, over Antonio Felix da Costa by 0.4 of a second. The Dak uh, is back. The Dak is back. Attack is back, and Adora Mortara um, on the podium as well for Venturi in third. Nice result for him. Jerome Nambrosio, as mentioned, finished in fourth. Andre Lotterer in fifth. The five-second time penalty knocked Pascal Verlein down to sixth, but he does get the bonus point for fastest lap and the bonus points, three points for starting from pole position. So he actually leaves with twelve points, just like he finished in fourth or something. It's funny. Um, <laughs> Mitch Bra in seventh for Jaguar, ahead of Felipe Massa for Venturi in eighth. The bird He's is the word. He's finally in the points. Yay! Said no one now. It's like, like trust me, no fan base has turned quicker in motorsport than on Felipe Massa. Like, oh. oh, good. He's finally done dining at the sympathy table from Germany 2010. Oof. I was wondering when he'd come to collect the check. <laughs> RJ just went full cynic on that one. It was beautiful. Um, wow. Um, but, Alonso, but Alonso asked him to pull over once. <laughs> uh, can, can you tell who RJ's favorite driver is? I'll give you a hint. It's, it's not Felipe Massa. Uh, just, just saying. Like... Felipe Massa in 8th, The Bird being the word in ninth, and Daniel Apps rounding off the points with one point and more fan boost votes than you could possibly imagine. Ahead of Robin Frins, Oliver Turvey, John Eric Verne in 13th, Alex Sims in 14th, Tom Dillman ahead of Gary Paffett, um, Jose Maria Lopez in 17th, Stoffel. All those fan boost votes still can't get in the points. Oh in- my god, HWA are bad. 
Oh, Lord, that is a hot mess I of knew a team. It, King, I knew it was good. Like, I don't know if we've had this conversation before. I knew this was going to be a tough year for them. I didn't expect to be this bad. Yeah, I had no idea that it would be this bad. Yeah, and again, these are the same powertrains that just finished third and eighth. Uh, it's yeah. almost like there's more to this than just having customer parts. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up, hold up. I I thought Felipe Massa finished eighth. Wait, Felipe Nasser's back? Yeah. Oh, God, we've got this problem? Uh-oh. <laughs> Fred has returned. The return of the Fred. I blame Crafty. <laughs> Fucking crofty. Um, <laughs> Felipe Nazar filling in for uh, Max Gunther. It turns out his departure from the series is not permanent. He'll just be uh, splitting the seat with other people as the season goes on. And Felipe Nazar was back in the number six car. He finished in 19th place, nearly two minutes off the win. But hey, who's counting, right? Um, both Nissan e Dams cars would run out of battery life and did DNF'd. And as we mentioned earlier, Nelson PK um, unfortunately did not see the checkered flag. He had to see the doctor after basically being mounted for four hours. Um, it was it was a bad time for him. It was a bad time. Um, <laughs> latest standings after four rounds of intense battery-related action. Jerome D'Ambrosio uh, back in the championship lead with a seven-point advantage now. With he has 53 ahead of Adak. Um, Da Costa in second with 46 points. Sam Bird down to third with 45. Um, Lucas Degrassi, he's creeping back up there, folks, in fourth on 34 points. Uh, Pascal in, in now, now, in, now in fifth place with 30. He's slowly making his way up the board as well. Andre Lotterer in sixth with 29, ahead of Robin Frins on 28. Vern with 28. Free-to-play Evans on 28. And Adora Motara rounding off the top 10 with 27. In, in the team standings, Mahindra still on top now with him. The combination of obviously um, D'Ambrosio and Narosen Quest. He has a 10 point lead. They have 83 points ahead of Envision Virgin Racing with 73. BMW Andretti back up to third with 64 points ahead of T Cheetah on 57. And the Audi Sport team in 56. But you know, you know what Audi's like. They'll probably just play their Joker and end up winning the championship at the end anyway because they're Audi. That's what they do. <laughs> it's really annoying. Shout out to Venturi and it's now leapfrogged up into sixth place as well after that round as well. So Venturi finally getting their shit together. Nice to see. Um, next up, Hong Kong, is it not, fellas? Yes, yep. Hong Kong Central Harbourfront Circuit on March 10th, part of a double header in the uh in the uh in the chinese region because the following uh in a fortnight you'll have the inaugural sanya epri at sanya street circuit mm, spicy um yes, perfect but... time to fire up hong kong 97 for the super famicom <laughs> only only the highest quality super famicom game fun times also bit of a shame they are clashing with a certain moto gp season opener Yeesh. Not the best weekend for it, but hey, I guess it can't be helped. Yeah, can't um, win them all. Can't win them all, kids. Um, but uh, hey, so, should we get into the news, RJ? Well, no, because uh, because we do have, uh, of course, one thing that, uh, you know, we're short one show now. Uh, <laughs> but do you remember back when Bike Live was part of of that other network and uh mm. and we talked about bikes on motorsport 101 and occasionally yeah. well 
Mics are back on Motorsport 101. Woo! Yay! And uh, this will be the point where I turn it over to you after this quick musical interlude because the animal has been unleashed! Fuck off, King! <laughs> Kind of coke to RJ O'Connell. Um, <laughs> yeah, I started talking about this on, on, on the blog itself, and I, I put in there 27 seconds. That was the combined winning margins of both races that Alvaro Bautista won. Um, well, both main races, anyway. Um, yes, the animal was unleashed. There was a lot of hype going into this weekend of World Superbike Action, the opening weekend at Phillip Island. Yeah, pretty much the home of bike racing these days. Everybody loves Phillip Island. Um, and, like, ironically, the place has a knack of being a real equaliser when it comes to most bike races. Um, in general, it does, you know, it, it basically has a knack of, you know, bringing everybody into play. Um, it happened last year. And hey, it was actually a, a minor surprise that at the time Ducati's Marco Melandri won both races. Not this year. Um, in testing last week, um, Bautista was the fastest man by nearly half a second, and we were like, "Oh well, it's just testing, you know. It's exciting, but it's it, it's it's just a test. Everybody calm down." And oh dear God, like why is he pulling away from Jonathan Ray? Um, <laughs> oh dear, like he passed. Jonathan Ray into Stoner Corner on like the opening lap of race one and he didn't look back <laughs> like we didn't know it at the time but uh, it was Vicky Day in the stands because that part of the race was over it was done um, Bautista literally just took off into the distance um, now to be fair to Johnny Ray he openly admitted himself that he was not at 100%. He didn't want to suffer a repeat of um, the blistering that he had last year, which caused him to drop to fifth in one of the races. Um, he, he was trying to, you know, basically play it safe on this one. And, uh... Um... No. <laughs> um, he won. He couldn't afford to play it safe because he had his own teammate, the newly acquired Leon Haslam, the last year's British Superbike champion, and Tom Sykes' replacement all over the rear of him. Um, and as mentioned, Bautista had literally fucked off. Um, like, I was like, by the time we got to lap 10, it was like, what's that bright red speck at the other end of the home straight? Um, yeah, he won the first race by 15 seconds at, at Phillip Island a 90 second lap They're like one of the fastest average speeds we have around here that's like the spread of a Phillip Island race from first to last yeah normally like that would be like the run of the points the entire points not first to second it was unbelievable to watch like to put it into context Bautista won that first race by 15 seconds he was I'd say somewhere in the region of 3 to 5 miles an hour faster on the main straight their new, their new Ducati Panigale V4 is a rocket ship. 
it was touching 200 miles an hour down the main straight, which for a superbike is incredible. It's not quite MotoGP prototype levels of power, um, but to get to 320 clicks in a new school money is uh, very impressive. Like the, like Kawasaki, um, we all know, have had to basically reharmonicate their bike to give themselves more revs because rule book. That's why, um, basically, and they were no match. I, I, I can't remember the last time Jonathan Ray got beaten into submission that badly, which, uh, trust me, all the casuals at the time were sitting back just going, yes, yes, <laughs> feed me. <laughs> We've been waiting three years for this day. Um, if you have not seen it, like, as a spectacle, you're probably better off only watching the Super Pole race, because I'll get into that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, Bautista was ridiculous. Um, a, 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 I say a treble, an in inverted commas, because technically... The Super Bowl race doesn't count as an official victory. Yeah, it's stupid. Oh. I, I, I know. John, Johnny um, Ray looked like Jiren against Goku. <laughs> Excellent reference, Cam. Very good. I I, I approve of this reference. Um, yeah, that's basically what it was. It it was it, it was a it was a hashtag super beat him down because. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Ray, who has dominated World Superbikes for the last four years now, got beaten to a pulp. Um, there's no other word for it. He was completely outclassed in race trim. Um, he didn't qualify. Uh, he did qualify on pole. Like in ultimate form, it looks like the Kawasaki still is a very fast bike. I mean, Jonathan Ray set the fastest ever lap of Phillip Island on a superbike to get the pole. Um, so everyone's like, okay, the hype's been cooled a little bit. But then, like I said, third corner of the opening lap. Bautista passes Ray at Stoner Corner. The race is over. Um, it was ridiculous. And race two was pretty much exactly the same. It was a group of Ray, Haslam, and a fleet of Yamahas, basically. Because uh, in case you haven't seen it now, Yamaha have got their own main factory team, which still has Alex Lowe's, um, Rebecca James's favorite, and Michael Vandermark on it, as well as a new second satellite team, the GMT guys, which has, um, you know, former 250cc world champion Marco Melandri and newly world super sport champion Sandro Cortese. Yeah, remember him from Moto3? Yeah, him, Sandro Cortese in World Superbikes. He made his class debut and he was in the top eight in all three races as well. So good to see Cortese make it a, a strong debut. But uh, I mean, the highlight of the weekend was without a doubt the Super Bowl race. For those guys that don't know how things have changed in World Superbikes this year, I'll quickly explain. Normally, it's two races every weekend, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, 25 points for each, standard MotoGP scoring, 25, 20, 16, 13, 11, then minus one down to 15th place, basically. Um, for this year, to change the rules even further, because Dorna can't help themselves, um, <laughs> we, we've added a Super Pole race. So now, instead of the Q1 and Q2 we get like MotoGP, they had one 25-minute qualifying session on Saturday where everybody's on track at the same time. That sets the grid for race one and the Super Pole race, which takes place on a Sunday morning. That Sunday morning Super Pole race is a 10-lap sprint race. Uh, basically, that 10-lap sprint race, if you win it, you get 12 points. It goes 12, 9, 7... Six, then down to ninth. You get points down to ninth in the Super Bowl race. Whoever, but if you win that race, the top nine, that becomes the grid for race two. Still with me so far? 
uh, basically. <laughs> a little bit. It's still, still, still alive. I'm just thinking about how I'm not going to be able to watch these races because uh, World Supervised Official Broadcaster in the United States is no longer being carried by most major cable and satellite companies. What is it with the Americans and shot in the biking market? Like, it happens Dude, every I, time. I don't know. <laughs> oh, dear. But, but yeah, that is the, basically the new format changes. Amazingly, Super Bowl victories do not count as official wins in the mo in the World Superbike history book. For some idiotic reason. Do not ask me why this is. Like, you get the points for it, but they do not count as official wins. So technically... Bautista only won two races that weekend, not three. Don't ask. Yeah, it's a dumb rule. I don't like it either. They're not count as they don't count as official races, but Bautista still gets twelve points for winning it. That was the race of the weekend. Um, the sprint race. I mean, everybody just basically went as hard as they possibly could. They weren't trying to preserve the tires because long running narrative about Phillip Island. Their track surface was diamond cut a few years back, and it is a bitch to tyres in bike races now, basically. Um, the Super Sport race in the support class earlier that Sunday morning had to be a flag-to-flag -flag race because they had to put a 10-lap limit on the tyres in a 19-lap race. Um, I think you can see the problem here, folks. Um, this is still a thing in Super Sport, unfortunately. Um, but... Uh, yeah, um, basically, it's a it's a bit of a mess to say the least. But hey, Bautista and Ray went to war in that second Super Bowl race. Um, it was a very fun time. Ray actually went a hundred percent for the first time in a little while. You could see how hard he was working, um, like pushing very hard, breaking stupid late into turn one basically uh you know trying to do anything in his power to keep bautista behind him but with about four laps to go about like ray went right into lukey heights um bautista went back down the inside um and uh that was the end of it really bautista won by just over a second going over the line and basically johnny had no answer for him before let me just take these nine points and get the hell out of here basically but yeah, um, Bautista won his two main races with a grand margin of uh, about 27 seconds. It was an almighty clobbering, basically. Um, God, that is, that is Triple H going through the table. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes it is. Bautista, there's, Bautista, there's no coming back. Boff, through the table. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. Should we go through Dre's fun observations to take away from Phillip Island? <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, okay. Glad to hear about this. Yeah, this is some fun stuff I want to go into as well that you know was a little bit fun. I'm not entirely convinced this was all on the Panagali V4, for what it's worth. People have asked me about this, like, Dre, is the, is the Panagali this broken now that they've got the V4 in it? Okay, to be fair, Ducati did pretty much develop this bike to win this championship. I mean... The, the road bike has fucking winglets. I mean, like, you're not fooling anybody here, Ducati. Like, they don't have the they, winglets just because they look cool. Sadly, not. They're there oh, for yes. aerodynamics, King. Uh, <laughs> yes, the, the upgrade to the Taint Puncher 900. <laughs> yeah, it's not a perfect match for everybody just yet, I would say. Like, okay, they developed the Panagale to be stupid fast. 
um, um, basically, and to basically win this championship. As mentioned, they're all bending the rules to a degree. Kawasaki had to re-homologate their road-going ninja to give themselves more revs after Dorna took revs off them during last year's uh, rev limit adjustments. Basically, Dorna was trying to balance the books last year. Long story. Won't get into it now. <laughs> but... Basically, no other Ducati was really close. I mean, Chaz Davis is still recovering from a collarbone injury he suffered in the offseason. No, not Mark Marquez. Another one, basically. Um, he wasn't the only one, <laughs> basically. Um, so Chaz is still recovering, so he wasn't at 100%. And in general, he wasn't happy with the front end of the, of the, of the Panigale. Laverty, Eugene Laverty was, was on a V4 this year, leaving a, leaving Sean Neer and the Aprilia boys. He struggled a little bit as well. He just got into the top 10 in the Super Bowl race and in race 2 and uh, in general it's probably not a perfect fit just yet basically um, but I would look out the bike looks very quick and Bautista looks like he's a very good match for it right now still not really shall we say in tune with the qualifying tyre which is probably why you have to start the race from 3rd rather than 1st um but uh, yeah, uh, that was quite alarming. Um, shout out to Ducati for not keeping Javi Flores, who's racing in British Superbikes this year instead. Don't ask me why he got cut for Michael Rubin Rinaldi. God only knows. Um, shout out to the Yamaha, as mentioned as, as mentioned as well. Their bikers are looking very fast indeed. They were right up there with the Kawasaki's as well, pretty much all weekend long until the end. Not quite as good in their tyres, but uh, shout out to them. Having four really good riders on the, on their bikes is a uh, Certainly helpful. I mean, Lowe's, Vandermark, Cortese, and uh, Marco Melandri is, yeah, is finished a, on the podium uh, in the first race. He did indeed. Yeah, third in race one, narrowly beating Lowe's over the line for it. Um, that was fun. Great to see BMW in full old school BMW Motorrad racing colors out there as well. Um, the chassis seems to be certainly be good. I mean, Sykes qualified in fourth place. Um, the old Excellent. qualifying. It's amazing because, like, it seems like the S1000 RR had always been down on power compared to its rivals, and uh, it's not a good sign when guys like Toprak are able to pass them without a toe on the main straight. Um, Straight up. Good? No, it's not good. Um, Tom's. Tom Sykes said after Super Bowl that, yeah, it's, it's a lot of risk for not a lot of reward right now. The chassis is working good. This is better than expected, but uh, we're giving up way too much in top speed, which is certainly true. Um, like, they were on track for a podium. I mean, Sykes finished 7th in race 1. Sadly, not so great 13th in race 2. Uh, Marcus Reiterberger, was, his best result was 12th on the weekend as well. Um, again, the chassis seems to be there, but... Uh, Tire preservation and uh, engine speed, not so much. But uh, not, but hey, it could be worse. They're not Honda. Um, now, a lot of excitement was made about the Honda team this year. You know, the, the big collaboration with uh, Altea and uh, the uh, Morikurawaki uh, partnership that they had going in. And obviously the return of HRC to World Superbikes, you know, trying to get them back into play after a, you know, a few years of struggles. With Red Bull back in and Tenkate, who went bankrupt at the end of last year, and uh, it's not a good sign when Leon Camier is saying on the grid that the um, guys, this is like the Japanese spec championship bike. 
You know, the one that got its ass handed to it at Suzuka during the eight hours and not like world championship spec. Kamiya uh, openly said, um, "Guys, we've got we've got a lot of work to do." Basically, um, he he would limp to tenth in race two after having a technical failure in race one. Basically, and uh, his teammate and Rinichi Kianari, who is a three-time British Superbike champion, um, <laughs> and was competing for said BSB title less than four years ago before a broken leg ended his campaign on the final weekend. Uh, he got beaten in race one so badly that Leon Haslam crashed from second, um, was able to remount, get back on, and still pass him for the final point. Oh no. Um. Ooh. Guys, it's not good. I'm I'm just saying, like, Kianari's goose might be cooked at the top level, which is sad because Kianari is a very talented rider on his day and has been a big, you know, shall we say, humanitarian for Honda in general, basically. Um So Yeah, uh it's 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 sad times for for Honda on that one. I'd I'd like to see Honda back up back up there. One because Hell, it's Honda. And I like Leon Camier a lot. We nicknamed him on Bike Live a rider for hire because he was basically an ambulance chaser. He was a great substitute when he filled in for other people and then he got he finally did, you know, miracle work on the MV Augusta when they were in the series full time. He got a factory seat at Honda. I think, yeah, this is gonna be the big Camier year and uh, it never materialized. Sad face. And uh, I, ho- I hope Honda can come back up through the field soon because they deserve better than that. But uh, that's pretty much all from what from from World Superbikes at Phillip Island. If you if you want a few more takes from me regarding that weekend, check it out the motorsport101.com blog, and uh, we'll, we'll pick up a little bit more bikes later on when the testing issue comes up from uh, from a MotoGP in Qatar, basically. Yeah, Fun times. didn't we like have some MotoGP testing in Qatar recently? We did, yeah. Like the the like basically the last official day of testing before the season starts properly on March tenth. Um, that finished up uh, literally about three hours ago at time of recording nice. and uh, and uh, Maverick Vinales was fastest sporting a new grey Top Gun helmet which I very much am a fan of um, if you have not seen it, check it out on his social media it's very good it's also number yeah, he's he's rocking the number twelve now which I think he raced as a child he wanted apparently a total do-over in his career so uh the 25 is dead, long live the 12, basically. And, uh, yeah, the more su- the bigger surprise, I'd argue, is that Fabio Quattararo was second. Yeah, Whoa. that Fabio Quattararo. Yeah, making his debut next uh, next week for uh, the, the Petronas uh, Yamaha SRT team. How old second. is he now? <laughs> I think, I want to say he's 20. Oh, my God. Hang on, I'll tell you. Give me a second. To Wikipedia. Oh shit, he's still 19. Fuck me. <laughs> Date of birth, 20th of April 1999. Oh, this dude is so This dude is so bred for success. Born on 420. <laughs> yeah, literally born on 420 in 99. That, there is no better millennial age, kids. Um, it's a figure beauty. Um, but uh, yes, Fabio Quattararo was second. Don't ask me how. Um, a 54-4, which I think, like, it's kind of crazy. I mean, like, the top, I want to say, yeah, 13 riders were within a second on the final day of testing. And uh, yeah, there was 
12 dudes under 155, which is very, very fast oh, indeed. Oh, God, yeah. Though, one uh, interesting thing I did see at the test that I enjoyed, the the, the uh, racing official heart inside me was like, I'm, I'm all for this new long lap penalty. Yeah, like, we, we, you didn't see it. Maverick Vinales was playing his Joker lap. Um, basically... <laughs> Yes, there is a penalty zone um, that's been included now um, but, uh, as a, as a like, in-race punishment, basically, for riding transgressions. There, there is uh, literally going to be a sin bin in MotoGP. They don't even have to pay $10 a month to get into it. <laughs> yeah, I... I, I... I, I, I feel like Dorner and like making up the rules about penalties as they go along at this point. But um, I, I think in terms of giving out penalties, it's the best they could do because yeah, because the drive-through pretty much kills your like yeah, ride-through kills your race. Yeah, because the 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 ride at pit lane speed limit is fifty kilometers an hour. It's like thirty-one miles an hour. Like it's it, it's it would cost you like thirty forty seconds. Yeah, and to giving take a ride. and giving up a single position is not that harsh of a penalty. No, um, and 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 the thing is, dropping a position in context can be a lot worse a penalty than it is because, like, we saw it a couple of times ago. Like Jonas Volga in Moto Two, he was like. In seventh place, he was eight seconds ahead of the guy in eighth, but he was told drop one position. <laughs> it's which means, which which yeah, which means he had to literally like give up like eight seconds to let go of one position, which he immediately re overtook and then took off again. It, it just didn't really make any sense um, in in that context. But uh, yeah. It was it, it was weird on that one, but yeah, Maverick Vinales fastest in testing ahead of Fabio Quattararo, Mark Marquez, Valentino Rossi fourth, Lorenzo making his Honda debut, which is still weird to see him in orange of the ninety nine on the front. Very weird. Um, in fifth, Franco Morbidelli in sixth, Paula Spagaro for KTM in seventh on a fifty four seven. Nice. Takanakagami in 8th, thankfully his hair has grown back since that shave um, Danilo Petrucci in ninth, and Jack Miller rounding off the top 10 like, like Jack Miller was 10th only .6 off the fastest lap of the test scary the, the new rules are working kids like if there is one thing you can tell is that the homologation and the rules and the standardized that DCUs are all definitely bringing the field into play which is a very very good sign going forward so uh, yeah I love it. Um, I, I cannot wait for March tenth. I like. I seriously like. Um, I seriously cannot wait for March tenth. It is going to be such a hype season. Um, like, if, it, it. Let's put it to you this way: it would not surprise me at all the way it's going if Alex Rint is a major title contender on the Suzuki of all things. Oh, I'll believe. I will believe it that much in Rins and in Suzuki. Yeah. Like seriously, I think Rins could be the first Suzuki World Champ since Kenny Roberts Jr. I, I I I am like I'm not going there because I mentioned the bike. I'm still picking Marquez to win the title because I think he looks fairly comfortable despite the shoulder injury. And according to David Emmett on Twitter at Moto Matters, you really should be following on things like this. He's the gospel for for bike journalism these days. Marquez probably had the best long run sort of pace, basically. And uh, if he if he blows people out with a shoulder injury in Qatar in in a couple of weeks' time, God help us all, basically. Um, but uh, that'll be fun to keep an eye on. 
but yeah, the whole field, all 23 runners covered by just about two seconds. It's going to be a fun season, everybody. Keep your eyes out for that on March 10th. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've got to the news here we'll try to get through all these quick but this one uh, we'll start with something that I believe deserves some special attention because we've been mm. following Robert Wickens recovery and on February 20th uh, six months since his accident uh, and just after Valentine's Day a major breakthrough when we got to see a clip of him uh, embracing uh, with, with his fiance Carly Woods uh, and standing on both feet that was awesome. Yeah, it's it feels a bit surreal seeing him stand for like the first time since August. It's crazy. It, like it's God. It's been six months already. Holy shit! <laughs> and uh, he says he wants to dance at their wedding in September, and that's that's huge. Um, I, I warn you, everybody, if that actually happens, I will be a blubbering mess on the podcast. We inevitably talk about it. Um, yeah, it was it was wonderful to see. It was absolutely inspiring. Um, Robert Wickens is a hero. Um, we love that man, despite King's awful and tasteless jokes. Um, <laughs> we blame him. It was his idea. Um, <laughs> basically, no, but Robert is amazing, and the line that stood out to me when I was watching that video for the first time was like Carly literally saying oh my god I never realised how tall you are <laughs> <laughs> I swear to god I started crying um, that was such a, a powerful line without even realising it at the time um, yeah just just you know without even realising um, that, 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 that was a hard watch but uh, yeah Six months to the day, or almost the day since the accident, because he said in the quote yesterday it was six months since my accident. He actually his to see him standing unassisted for the first time is uh, ridiculous and a testament to what incredible grit and fortitude the man has. We continue to wish Robert all the very best in his recovery, because as we all know, kids, there is only one Bobby Wickens, um, and we stand this. Speaking of IndyCar, RJ. We got some cockpit protection. Uh, yes, we do. It is a there will be an open test at Indianapolis Motor Speedway to test the new Advanced Frontal Protection System, or AFP. It's a it's a uh, it's a titanium piece. It's more than three inches tall, uh, three quarters of an inch wide. It's designed to deflect debris away from the driver uh, positioned in front of the cockpit along the chassis center line. So. Think uh, the base of the halo that sits in front of the driver's uh, sideline, uh, but without the rest of the halo on top of it. Uh, versions of this have been explored on, through on-track and simulator testing since 2012. New technology made this a practical option now. Over the windscreen. Apparently it needs more work. Um, basically. Um... I know they've mentioned that uh, it's still in development. Um, they did. We, we saw it very publicly tested last year at uh, with, with Dixon 
testing out the windscreen. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it needs more work before it can be fully optimized. So maybe next year for IndyCar, I would, I would tentatively say on that front. And you but, will see uh, the AFP in this year's uh, Indianapolis 500, and then through the rest of the season onward. Yay! So yeah, we got some copy protection. Step in the right direction. Good Hell times. Yeah. Hell yeah! Um, King, uh, what are what are dudes on the internet mad about lately? No, oh. everything. They're they're surprisingly mad about Formula Two. Specifically, uh, Arden announced their lineup for Formula 2 this year. Well, uh, they weren't mad about uh, their lead driver this year, reigning GP3, well, the final GP3 champion, Antoine Trubert. I always call it, like, international. I always just, like, yeah, Pierre Gasly is the 2016 Formula 2 champion. I know that's weird, and it makes me weird. Don't at me. Um, the other the other seat went to Tatiana Calderon. And, yes, and a woman, went, a woman. It, it, so, so like a, a lot of people, people, a lot of people noticed when Alfa Romeo announced what their junior team would look like, and uh, they noticed that you know all their junior drivers were signed except for uh, all their junior drivers got uh, race seat placements except for their test driver Tatiana Calderon, and people were like. Did Sauber get rid of her? Where is Tatiana? And then this announcement was made that she'd be racing for BWT Arden in Formula 2. And people got mad online. I'm just mad that she's at at a lower midfield team in Arden. I mean, she's quicker than a lot of people think. She finished last year in GP3 strong. Five consecutive points-paying finishes. 16th in the standings. Yeah, and she's where... quick in a Formula E car. <laughs> can can I just like call bullshit on anyone complaining about Tatiana Calderon apparently not deserving a seat in a series that still has Sean Galil in it for the culture? It's like you guys would know when to pick and fucking choose, like 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 when the the nature of entitlement comes into play. Like it's like. I don't like how the internet has this weird knack of turning like the meritocracy switch on and off depending on who benefits. Yeah, and it's especially re- in the junior formulas, everyone pays for their seat in one way or another. Apart from Mitch, bruh! <laughs> Free-to-play Mitch, as I, as, I, as, I, as I like to call him. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, it's... Like, people, people. Just, just one quick reminder... Formula 2 in the juniors in general is not a meritocracy. It hasn't been for quite some time, okay? Yeah. Like, yeah. be glad you, that the top three in the championship got promoted this year. That's better than where we were five years ago. Like, that's a walking miracle for F1 these days. That the, All of the top three went up together at the same time, and all childhood friends too. Like, that's actually kind of ridiculous when you think about it. But no, you're absolutely right. It is ridiculous that, you know, we're in a situation where three guys at, like came out of a series last year into F1 in a series that we were burying for years prior that essentially, you know, the series had, a, had, a, had become a bottleneck where there was all this talent but no one could get an F1 seat. Three dudes got it last year. Like, for once... Formula 2 did its job. Like, that is the exception and not the norm for 
for Formula E. That is not a regular thing by any stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, playing the meritocracy card now just because Tatiana Calderon was the one who benefited, I am not buying that in the slightest. So, no. We, we, need, we, we, need, know, we, need... we know why you're upset. Because a woman got a drive. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, Sean Galil is still in this series. Please don't sit here and talk to me about meritocracies. Okay? Yeah. And Tatiana getting a drive means that she'll be the first woman to compete in Formula 2 uh, since Giovanna Amazzi in 1991. Wow. Wow. Oh, God. Good grief. That's Nid- been a long time. Nearly 30 years. Jesus Christ. It's almost one whole RJ. Right? <laughs> Jesus. Um, but, uh, yeah, awesome for a little bit of history. You know, congrats to Tatiana, who, by all accounts, seems like a really cool chick. Um, and I, I wish her the best because uh, she's 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 cool, and I and I hope to see her do well in Formula Two. I mean, she says that the, the car is a better fit for her driving style, so hopefully, she can vindicate some of the shitty complaints about her, about her not being qualified enough for a series. That sorry, Sean. You're still in it, um, and to be fair, it's it's gonna be like I think it's gonna be an interesting transition year for Formula Two in general, mostly because I don't think there's a standout like A plus prospect in Formula Two this year. There's like, a standout A plus prospect name in Mick Schumacher, but you have to yeah. consider as well that of the experienced guys that are coming back, you know your Sergio Sete cameras and the like. Uh, they're they're good. They're also really good. Yeah, like. I don't think there's a big standout like S tier name that we've had in I've been very lucky to have in years prior. But uh I mean it could be competitive, but there's a lot of like there's a big sort of journeyman sort of vibe about Formula Two this year. Like, like guys like Nicholas Latifi and Luca Giotto and Nick DeVries you know, is back Nick with the Freeze. It it just like it just screams like veteran layabout this year as opposed to oh let's find the next big star in F one this year. Please make win, basically, yeah, is what I'm like, saying. Because right now, it's seemingly there is, like, looking at the driver market for F1 for the 2020 season, you nothing really stands out as like, yeah, there's a ton of seats available. Yeah. So yeah, it's it and, comes down to it's it's it comes down basically to Schumacher and Tickdom. No, Nobuhara Matsushita is back in Formula Two. That's wild. Yeah. Can, can, can we can we not talk about him, please? You know, just it, it brings back bad memories. <laughs> Speaking of bringing back bad memories of <laughs> things that you've sat through, um, the Daytona 500 happened over the fortnight between episodes. Um, we this actually we were expecting it to be a bad race. I watched this with uh, Cam from the Discord. Um, mm. All the races at Daytona Speed Weeks, uh, from the Clash, the exhibition race for NASCAR's uh, chase contenders and pole winners, was a snoozer. The Truck Series 250-mile race was a wreckfest. It was the literal embodiment of a battle royale game played out as a racing series. Uh, the 300-mile Xfinity Series races bad the two 150 mile qualifying races bad so the 500 pleasantly was fun and then there was a massive pileup that took out half the field with 20 to go and then we had like 50,000 cautions in the 
going since. It felt like this race went to overtime for six times over 12 hours. I, uh, I did I did see the big one. The big one uh, was as advertised. I can confirm. Yeah. <laughs> there were... Uh, it was... It's not a good sign where you have cars driving underneath other cars. <laughs> yeah. among, underneath, among, you say. Yes. And the, 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 the Helio special, I like to call it. Oh, yes. Like <laughs> just wet cars wedged underneath chassis of other cars, including uh, the, the breakout star of the race, uh, former Reddit's most popular journeyman, Matt DiBenedetto, who led more laps oh, than anybody because that's what happens when furniture row racing equipment just happens to end up at your team. As you do. But out of this, we actually got a pretty good story at the end. Uh, Denny Hamlin winning for Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, Kyle Busch finishing second, and Eric Jones finishing third. That's a Joe Gibbs Racing 1-2-3, and that's pretty significant because team co-founder uh, Joe Gibbs' son, J.D., uh, passed away over the winter after a long, lengthy battle with a neurological disease that had taken us from far too soon. Mm. Um, so out of... Out of all that silliness and all that cynicism, we got um, a touch of class and a touch of uh, a, real, a touch of emotion at the end of all of that. I'm Brad Keselowski, one Atlanta two. Oh, that that was nice. Like, it, is it, hasn't he now become like Penske's all-time winningest driver across all series? It's it's weird. I thought he had just passed huh? Rusty Wallace for most wins in the Cup Series, but no. Um, Brad Keselowski now has more wins with Penske Racing across any series, more than Mark Donahue. That's crazy. It's like, Jesus. It's like, I, I, it, it's crazy that Keselowski More than Elio, more than Rick Mears, um, more than the aforementioned Rusty Wallace, more than anybody. Good grief. That is that is ridiculous that Keselowski's on top of that when that win this table. And he's still my favorite motorsport in Beaver. Uh, <laughs> sorry, the, the, him playing Chubby Bunny on the Pensy Games is still forever stuck in my mind. Uh, <laughs> Pensy Game Season 3, please. Please. Please and thank you. I, I think it'll happen. couple last-minute notes. Brendan Hartley will drive the 12 hours of Sebring for Action Express racing, it nice. looks like. Um, King, do we have any other uh, late-breaking stories? Ooh, doing a last second sweep. It does not seem like it. I need a pee. <laughs> Excellent. I think we all deserve a good pee after today. Yep, yep. Should I wrap this up, Dodger? Absolutely. Yeah, kid, okay. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Pleasure to be back, as always. Um, basically, you can find us one more time. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Facebook dot com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 and our personal handles at harrison 101 hd at rj o'connell at ryan eric king um you can follow us on our website motorsport 101.com forward slash actually blog if you want to see my latest blog on the batista bomb that was heard around the world during world superbikes as well and there's a new page for our patreon backers as well so you can get your name immortalized in the hall of fame for backing us financially on Patreon. Five dollars get you access to both this show and... Oh, God, I just said this show and bike. <laughs> <laughs> we only have one show now. It's okay. <laughs> 
nothing fills the void. Um, no, Not but even so you... the Clipsol 500 at Adelaide, which isn't even sponsored by Clipsol anymore. Happy Sigh. birthday, James. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, James. Um, you, can, you can check us out there, motorsport101.com, for all that good stuff. As mentioned, we are now on Spotify as well, so if, if you like to get your podcasts loud away, you can stream us on Spotify for absolutely free. Do that. It's a good It's a good time for all involved. And as mentioned, my blog about World Team Bikes is on there as well in the blog section, motorsport101.com forward slash blog. If you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Uh, as mentioned, $5 gets early access to this show, and $10 get you early access to our show and you get to go into our discord server and listen to these shows live as they go out big thanks as always to black and mild to cam to, to steve and to Vic for listening in live hope you guys enjoyed the show um we'll be back next week for a 2019 indycar season preview with chris Hardy. he'll be back as well as i said earlier my god that came around quick um <laughs> but yeah indycar st petersburg and one charismatic swede of all things that'll be next week a fun Two time charismatic swedes damn it yeah, yeah sorry sorry I, I i forgot the rest of this discord stands for felix rosenquest driver for hire of course um to be fair that's a very good reason to stand for somebody but hey Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll be back for our 180th show next week. Dear Lord, help us all. How are we still here again? I don't know. But uh, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Ryan Eric King. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Sayonara. Thank you, Lewis. Thanks, Lewis. We're going to miss you, man.